everybody, Matt Johnson here, the creator and director of New Frequency, welcoming you to another episode of our exciting podcast. Joining me to introduce tonight's piece is one of the top stars of New Frequency, as always, the wonderful Gil Glasgow. Hello, Gil. Hey, how's it going? Good. So a as we're sitting here getting ready to introduce this piece tonight, we're, we're sitting in my car about to go to a bar. <laughs> yeah, of course. <laughs> Typical of us, right? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so let's talk about tonight's piece. It's the first time on this podcast we're debuting our series, Tales from Underground, and this particular piece is called Two Sides to Every Coin. Really cool piece, right? <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Wow, I'd forgotten about this piece. This, this is awesome. Yeah, it's a fun piece to do. I think for me, the idea of Tales from Underground, a little bit of the backstory of it, it's as if we're inviting the audience to go to the deep, you know, underground of Los Angeles and find out some of our secret history. So there's a, a dark narrator there. And then each of the individual tales are, are dark tales about kind of like Los Angeles history in particular. Yeah. So like this particular piece, I, I, for me, when I create Tales from Underground, New Frequency has always been kind of a throwback to old radio drama done in a new way. And I think for this one, I really wanted to do my take on the great old Whistler, you know, the, yeah, Whistler, yeah. the Whistler series. And, you know, those Whistler radio dramas in the golden age were always about, like, people with alcoholism, <laughs> yeah. people that had, like, all these, like, you know, terrible things going on in their life, and they were bleak, they were dark. Uh, started dark, usually ended dark, with characters not doing too well. <laughs> so I think... For, uh, Talk a little bit about this one. In this one, you play kind of an unsavory guy in, in Two Sides to Every Coin uh, who who finds a mysterious coin that kind of changes his life, uh, you know, makes him, makes him you know, where, where he has a, almost, I think, a little bit of immortality in his mind. So talk a little bit about finding the humanity in a character like this who doesn't really have a lot of redeeming qualities, yeah. but you still have to find a real guy there. Yeah, this is one of those low-level street punk kind of guys yeah. from the 50s, you know, violent crimes and petty crimes but not the brightest star in the sky but I, and i think what he encounters in this is is uh uh that that's maybe that feeling of immortality mm -hmm. and i i think in a kind of a strange way even this like low life guy finds a little bit of a responsibility to to right. do something with yeah, it yeah, yeah. and so how that plays out i think is very interesting so i pretty much just had a ball going with a guy who really has you know, no redeeming qualities at all, you know. With this one here, you're almost going along with the flow because he doesn't know what's going to happen next. So you as an actor almost have to portray it like you don't really know what's going to happen yeah. next. Well, you know, the, the whole thing unfolds so fast and there are so many things happening that I really did feel like that when we were doing it. Like, you know, I'm trying to remember what was coming up next. But thanks to the great sound effects. Oh, oh yeah. man. Yeah. They're awesome. Yeah, Dick Dick Schroeder, Dick the Blade Schroeder is uh, the sound guy who, who works with New Frequency for years and us for years on many projects and boy he did a killer job in oh, this piece no there's like a train crash and like you know uh you know a guy that gets like you know like sh you know a piece of metal shards through oh, his body oh, and the old car chase and all that yeah. stuff yeah a car chase of gunshots <laughs> yeah, yeah. uh really really like yeah. fun audio piece to yeah. do uh, and then and then rob iceman's I eisenberg's music really sets the tone right. with that kind of 50s noir thing Right, and then and then you throw Victoria right in there with the narration. She just drives this piece in a relentless way that oh, yeah. that as an actor, uh, you just have to go with it and stay with it. And and she's coming in on top of it. It's it's just really a fast-paced, exciting piece. So I think what we're telling everybody is, hey, you're in for a ride. You're going to enjoy this one tonight. I think so. I think so. And, <laughs> and a special shout out to Susan Hendershot, who who is just 
nails the the 50s noir girlfriend it's just great just yeah. it's really good you guys are in for a treat tonight i say hey well, let's go have our drinks and let everybody enjoy this one i look forward <laughs> to that all right here we go this one is called tales from underground this debut episode for you tonight is called two sides to every coin New frequency, a theater of the mind on the air. On the air. In three. It's coming. Pretty clever. In two. Overcome by a dreadful, dreadful, dreadful curiosity. In one. New frequency. It's like nothing I have ever experienced. Calling all freaks. We beckon you all to follow us deep underground for a tale of the secret history of this dark city that we all so innocently live in. It's a new series for us here at the New Frequency Program called Tales from Underground, and this debut episode is Two Sides to Every Coin. That's it. Just keep walking. Follow the sound of my voice. You're almost there. Don't be afraid. Now, now, I said don't be afraid. You're almost there. Come on, closer, closer. There you are. Welcome. Please, have a seat. Good. I understand your trepidation. You've heard so much about me. So you already know one thing. That for my sins, I am here for eternity. In this brick, this cold, this damp. What were my sins, you ask? That is not important. But when I was alive, I was a history teacher. Now I am condemned to talk of history for eternity. The hidden history of this city in which you live. The stories that go unreported, but that you have long suspected are true. So, how do you like the place? Cozy, isn't it? I tried brightening it up, you know, posters on the wall, but all that slime just kept ruining them. You should be proud of yourself, finding this place so far beneath the concrete beneath even the tunnels which carry the refuse of your carefully ordered city. Tonight, I bring you a tale about cruel fate, one that begins this very night over 50 years ago. The year is 1953. The Korean War has just ended, having accomplished very little. Televisions are everywhere now, relaying fearful information about the Russians, a gentleman named McCarthy uses that fear to destroy a few lives. Not that the lives mattered, most of them were only writers. But on the streets of the city, the rich are still getting richer, the poor getting poorer. And that, as always, is what drives it all in this, your secret history. Let's call tonight's tale, Two Sides to Every Coin. We begin with Norman Larrabee, but I should mention Mr. Larrabee won't be with us much longer. And to use the modern parlance, he's okay with that. Why would a man welcome death, you ask? Perhaps Mr. Larrabee's inner thoughts could shed some insight. Oh, my goodness, it's very late. Yes, it is late, Mr. Larrabee. 
And you, a regular fellow, are not usually given to wandering into this section of town you're in now. Maybe. Maybe I didn't wander here at all. Maybe it's finally come to this. You see a man up ahead, Larrabee, waiting, looking at you. You don't have to go toward him. Or do you? Oh, I'm only sorry. I can see no other way out. I'm a weak man, and I have at last been driven mad by this thing. Mr. Larrabee continues on toward the menacing figure in the doorway, toward Charlie Foster. And so the two men meet for the first time. Hold it, mister! Oh, yes. I see. Yeah, yeah, you see all right. You see this knife's what you see. I see more than that. At last, my deliverance. Oh, brother, all I want's a little extra dough and I have to find a fruitcake. You've made a life of this then, have you? Of what? Robbing people, hurting people. Yeah, what of it? You're the perfect person to get it. To get what? It won't let me throw it away, you see. What? I have to give it away. But who to give it to? Who would deserve what I've been through? Who? Oh, Jesus, listen to the philosopher here. I don't believe my luck. I'm a decent person. I can no longer live with this curse, though. And I wouldn't have wished my fate on anyone. Until you, that is. Yeah, well, just hand over the wallet before I die first from boredom. No. I will not. Ah, oh, jeez, I've wasted enough time here, mister. Turn it over here. Otherwise, I'm going to have the knife do the talking. No! <laughs> Larrabee fell to the ground and Charlie Foster got ready to go through the man's pockets when... Uh, Holy jeez! Mr. Larrabee stood up as if nothing had happened. I got you right in the gut, but there's no blood, no nothing. Try again. Go on, try again. Yeah, you don't have to ask me twice. And Larrabee grabbed Charlie's hand as it plunged the knife into him and held it there. What the hell? Let go of me, mister! Not until you've taken it all. Take all I have here. I don't get you, mister. What do you want? Now this. This is the one thing I need to be done with. Larry be pulled from his pocket a small velvet box. Smaller even than a ring case. Something rattled inside it. Take it. What, what, what are you doing? What, what? Take it. Okay, okay, okay. You have it? Yeah, yeah, I got it. At last... At last, I'm free of it. And Larrabee released his grip, fell to the sidewalk. This time, he was bleeding profusely. Good. Good. It's gone for me at last. Nine months of hell on earth. Jeez, oh, you poor sap. Go on. Open the case. Yeah. Just a little. Yeah. You see? Yeah. It's just a small coin. Looks like any other small coin. Yeah, whatever you say. Yeah. I took to keeping it in that case so that I wouldn't mix it up with the others. Huh? At first, I never wanted to lose it. You won't huh? want to lose it either, I'm huh? sure. Huh? Oh! Huh? Is it real this time? Huh? Yes. Yes. I'm dying. Huh? I'm dying at last. And may I say, I'm ever so glad that you have it now. Larrabee died. Released from something Charlie couldn't understand. Not yet. He rifled through the dead man's pocket. Well, Mr. Norman Larrabee, it's been nice knowing you. Oh, jeez, what a night. I gotta get out of here. Even Charlie found himself shaken by what had happened, and he quickly decided to drink his fear away at a local watering hole where he would spend a good portion of Larrabee's money. Yeah, I'll be right with you, pal. Come on. Yeah. 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 Hey, say, say, bartender, hey, Mac. Uh, my name's Randall, buddy. Yeah, yeah, mine's Foster. Look, say, Randall, 
Hey, take a look inside this case. Huh? Is this thing legal tender? I don't know. Let me have a peek. Yeah, yeah. It looks pretty regular. What yeah. is it? Some kind of collector's item? I don't know. Well, let me have a look no, at no, it. No, no, no. Don't touch it. Oh. It's mine now. Okay, okay. Yeah. Listen, yeah. buddy, why don't you settle up and call it a night? All right, all right. Good man. Here's what I owe you. Plus, some to grow on. All right. Yeah, yeah, you're all yeah. set. Hey, not a bad tip, mister. Thanks. Yeah, well, I know which side of the butter mites bread it on. Uh-huh. Well, uh, good night, then. Yeah, good night, pal. For Mr. Foster, everything changed when he stepped out of that bar. <sighs> Just remember this. I... What the heck? What, wait a minute. What's still what? I Jeez, I never can remember this part of the dance. Huh? Ooh. A black cat. Ooh, must be bad luck. <laughs> uh, well, forget that. I think you're a cute little fella. Come here. Hey, wait a minute. Where are you going? Come back here, little kitty. Come Trying here. to follow the kitty cat. Charlie Foster ended up walking into an alleyway, and when he got there, the cat was gone. Almost as if it had never been there at all. And then Charlie heard a noise. And he looked up to an apartment building rooftop. Huh? Okay, we huh? got power. All right, Joe, thanks. Two workmen were repairing an air vent 15 stories above Charlie. He glanced up at their bright, shining work lights, and when he first heard the cable snap, he didn't know what to make of it. What? Blinded by the lights, he did not see the eight-foot iron bar come loose from its stoppage area and bounce once off the electrical wires. It fell through the darkness towards him and... There is no other way to put this, dear listener. That iron bar went right through Charlie Foster. He fell to the ground. <coughs> Above, the workman could not see what had happened. Some fell off the roof, Joe. Oh, I hope nobody was down there. We better go check. But when they got there, the alleyway was empty. Only an iron bar with blood on it remained. Impossible, you say. A miracle, perhaps. How could Charlie Foster walk away from so gruesome a thing? A thing that should have killed him? Well, Charlie was blocks away by then, asking himself the same question. He stared in disbelief at his body, which showed no signs of any injury. There's no blood. There's there's no pain. I I, I just got up. I I, I got up like, like, like Larrabee. Where's that coin? It's that coin. Yeah, there it is. Yeah, must be that. Must be that. Oh, jeez. This can't be happening. This has to be some kind of dream. It's got to be some kind of dream. I'm dreaming. I'm dreaming. I'm dreaming. It must be some kind of dream. Charlie. Dream. Charlie. Okay, huh? It's what? okay. What? Charlie what? woke up in what? the small apartment of his what? sometime girlfriend, Claire. Oh. I think you were having a nightmare. Yeah, yeah. 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 What time is it? Well, it's still early. Almost sunrise. I gotta get to work. Oh, are you still working down at the park plaza? Yeah. I made you some eggs. Some coffee. Oh, thanks, Claire. You're dull. I haven't seen you for weeks, Charlie. Yeah, well, I've had things to do. And last night when you came in, well, you looked... You looked scared, Charlie. Scared? <laughs> I ain't scared, Claire. Right. <laughs> You're not scared of anything, except when I tell you how I feel about uh, you. Now, now, Claire, look. Do you love... Uh, look, do you look, like me, Charlie? Look, a little. We, why do we have to start this now, huh? Come on. What's well, getting old is all. Uh, I mean, you come in last night, half uh, dead, no mood for love, and uh, here I am, supposed to be your main squeeze. Uh, sure, doll, you are. 
are you are. The only Come thing here. you've been squeezing is whatever is in that little case. What? Had it balled up in your fist all night. What? Look. Look how tight you're making a fist. You didn't even know. Oh, yeah. All oh, right. right. Better not be a rock for some other dame. Say, let me see that thing you're holding. No, 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 no. Okay, don't, don't you ever touch it, Claire. Okay. Don't you ever. Look, sweetheart, it's, uh, it's, it's nothing. It, it, nothing should concern you. Obviously. Well, I gotta go clean rooms for people who think they got more class than me. <laughs> yeah. Will I see you tonight? Oh, I, I don't know. Uh... Cheapers. The incurable romantic. <laughs> yeah. So long. Uh, uh, Clara. What, Charlie? Nothing. Bye, Charlie. If men like Foster are capable of redemption, it's usually because of a woman like Claire. Looking back on things, I like to think that Foster knew that. That even before he figured out what was happening to him, he didn't want it to touch Claire. And it was that night that he truly began to see what new power he had been given. He shook Larrabee's coin case, already needing its reassuring sound. And then Charlie went prowling for more bad things to do. He stole a car and went for a joyride. Driving recklessly, he thought he'd play chicken with a train at a railroad crossing. Yeah, you can make this, Charlie. Come on, it's a piece of cake. (laughs) Yeah, come on. Now, what are the odds that Charlie's car would stall right in the middle of the tracks? But the train was getting too close. He had to make a run for it, except... Come on, come on. What is this? What, the door won't open either? Oh, God. Oh, God, my God. And in a split second, it was all over. Oh, no, God, no. The train pushed Charlie's car off the road and it crashed down an embankment. By the time the train workers got down there, Charlie was gone. They would have been stunned if they had seen him walk away from the carnage without a scratch. Foster, for his part, was overjoyed at the time. (laughs) This is unbelievable. Hey, God, did you see that, huh? Did you see what happened here? I'm fine. Yeah, I'm fine. It's that coin. The coin. Yeah, old Larrabee wanted to get rid of that thing. Well, not me, not me. No, I got it now, and I intend to use it. And yeah. Charlie Foster threw himself into a life of crime the way he had always uh, dreamed yeah. of doing. Come on, come on. Yeah, come on, go on, go ahead. Keep shooting. See if I can. He enjoyed placing himself in danger, thrived on everyone who tried to yeah. stop him. Yeah. Oh, 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 you got me. No, you didn't. <laughs> the man was in hog heaven. As long as he had hold of that coin, nothing could touch yeah. him. For the first yeah. time in his life, he was making more money than he could spend. He forgot all about Claire and bought an expensive house in the next county, where he would hide out after each night of mayhem. Yeah, you win again, Charlie Foster. You win again. Yes, ah! yes, Charlie laughed. To feel indestructible, to be indestructible, why he was giddy with it. And he was, so he laughed. But as days became weeks and weeks became months, the laughter grew more hollow. Perhaps this coin which now protected him did carry with it a curse. A curse which would drive men mad the way it had done to Larrabee. His dreams contained the clues 
or should I say his nightmares. It was the same one over and over again, and in there, Charlie Foster was not laughing. He dreamt of opening a door and being met with a huge wall of flame. And each time he would open the door, the fire would be there to greet him, and if he closed the door, the fire went out. But the fire and the door were tied inextricably together, and Foster did not know why. He would wake up in a panic, and he would pretend he'd never had that dream, and he would laugh again, that hollow laugh. But now it was ten months later, and the laughter had finally ceased. For with each bullet that failed to drop him, each time another long fall failed to crush him, something began to feel terribly wrong. And those dreams, the door and the fire, they never stopped. He knew now that he was cursed and he didn't even know why. The coin had possessed him just as Larrabee had said it would. And now, Charlie Foster is standing at the shore his arm cocked back, ready to toss the cursed coin into the ocean. Just open your fist. Let it go. Let it drop right. in the all waves, right, right. Charlie. Here you, Here you go. I can do it. I can do it. Oh, I can't do it. I, I can't throw this thing away. I, I can't. I can't do it. Larrabee was right. Larrabee. Larrabee. Oh, I'd like to ask you a few questions, Larrabee. Like, wait a minute, wait a minute. I can't ask Larrabee, but maybe I could ask somebody close to him, somebody he left behind. Yeah. Hello. Uh, hello. I'm looking for Mrs. Norman Larrabee. This is Mrs. Larrabee. Uh, is your husband there? He's... <clears throat> He's deceased, I'm afraid. Uh, Almost a year ago now. Uh, I'm sorry. Can I ask, how did he die? He was stabbed by a mugger. Uh, oh, that's, that's horrible. Yes. I, it's still hard for me. What is this regarding? Well, I, I was a friend of Norman's. I, I, well, I mean, we knew each other, and I, I wondered what happened to him. Uh, uh, what? What is your name? Perhaps he would have mentioned you? I'm, I'm Rick Sanders. Uh, Norman was very pleasant company. Uh, Everyone liked him. Yeah, but Mrs. Larrabee, in our last few meetings, uh, he seemed uh, uh, troubled. Did, did he ever say anything about something that might have been troubling him? Uh, I, uh, uh, what was it, Mrs. Larrabee? Uh, any? No one huh? has ever... I mean, I haven't told him. Was anyone. it a coin, Mrs. Larrabee? Uh... uh. Yes. Yeah, yeah, well, I was hoping you could tell me about it. Uh, how'd he come by that coin? Uh, he never told me. Huh? He said he found it, uh, but he... Well, he was never the same after that. He wouldn't let it go. He, he kept gripping it so tightly in his fist, making sure it was there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He even told me... He, please forgive me, Mr. Sanders. I know this will sound ridiculous. No, no, no. But he told me that several times he tried to throw it away, and that, well, the, that the coin wouldn't let him. Oh, huh. I know, it's fantastic, isn't it? Oh, yeah, yeah. And he would not let me go out with him anywhere. He, uh. he said it wasn't safe for me. And when he returned home, he was always shaken, as though having survived something terrible. Oh, that, that, that must have been really hard on him. Did, did he ever say anything about, like, you know, maybe why he behaved like this? Uh, no, he never did. Uh. Although, after he passed away, I found yeah. a canceled check to an antique dealer near us. Oh. 
So I went there. Oh, you did? Yeah. Well, the man told me that Norman had come in to show him the coin one day. Uh-huh. Norman wouldn't let him touch it, but uh-huh. the man said that he could tell the coin was something rare. Really? Really? What was it? What was it? He called it the Nostradamus coin. Uh-huh. Yes, he, he said he had seen ones like it before. He said that some people believed the coin carried a curse. Yeah, yeah. Well, what was it, Mrs. Larrabee? What was the curse? Uh... Please don't think ill of my poor husband. No, he, no. he had worked himself up into such a state. I, I think he must have actually believed it, too. Yeah, well, I won't think ill of him, but... Uh, well, this coin, it supposedly... What, 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 what? Well, one side of it protects its owner from all harm, but... Well, go, go, go on, go on, please. The other side huh? invites it... It draws the danger to you as it protects you. An, an endless cycle, if you will. Oh, my God. And Norman... Poor Norman. He was convinced that he would not be free of it unless he died. I see. No, I know it's preposterous. No. You won't tell anyone about this. No. I want Norman to be remembered as no, a no, very no, nice... No, no, no. Thank you, Mrs. Larrabee. And I'm... I'm very, very sorry for it. Yes, I, I understand. No, please, please, accept my apologies, ma'am. Well, you've nothing to be sorry for. No, I do. I do, ma'am. I you do. know, in the end, I, I think he was happier being released from his torment. Yeah, may he rest in peace. Th- thank you, Mrs. Larrabee. I... Charlie Foster felt something for the first time in his life that night. Regret. And the realization that he had taken the life of someone who had been loved. And then Charlie realized there was someone he cared about, maybe indeed more than he cared about himself. I'll be right there. Charlie. Claire, Claire, baby. Oh, God. Oh, baby. Whoa, honey, come on. What's up here? I don't see you for months, and now you're just coming I, here. I know, and... I know, Claire, I know, but but I need you. I need you now. Please, please, don't let go of me. Just, just okay, don't let go of me. Okay, sweetheart. Shh. Oh, Claire, Claire, I love you, Claire. You what? Well, where did this come from? Well, it's from? always been true. I, oh, I, I know. Can you ever forgive me for, for not showing it? Can you ever? I, I don't know, please. honey. Oh, please, look. You loved me. You loved me, and, and I pushed you away, but, but I need you now, Claire. I'm telling you. I love you and I need you and I... Oh, God, God, I don't want to drag you into this. Into what? I, 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 it's that thing. Uh, that thing you hold on to so tight. Uh, Still got it there, don't you, Charlie? No, no, don't, 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 don't you touch it, Claire, especially you. I, I never want to, to give it to you, no. I, well, I, tell me what you're going through, Charlie. Uh, I don't know who it belongs uh, to, whatever it is, uh, but you have to get rid of it. Yes. Can't you see what it's doing to yes, you? Yes, I see, Claire. I want to help you. Yes, you are helping me right now. Charlie, yeah, yeah. do you really mean it? I mean, you love me. Yeah, Claire. Yeah. Just keep holding me right now, will you, honey? Please. All right. All right, sweetheart. I feel like somehow you could save me, Claire. I can beat this thing, honey. I can. I Just don't, don't let go of me. No, okay? no, I won't. Please, don't, don't let go of me. It's okay, darling. I'm here. Don't it's let okay. Charlie fell asleep and slept soundly for the first time in nearly a year. There were no nightmares. When he awakened on Claire's sofa at four o'clock in the morning, everything seemed clear to him now. He shook the box in his hand. He crept to Claire's bedroom and opened the door. I I, I don't want to wake you, baby. And what I'm going to say won't make any sense, but, but you help me figure it out. I have something to live for now, Claire. It's you. 
Larrabee told me that he was scared, that he was weak, that he couldn't see any other way out. Well, I'm not scared anymore, Claire, thanks to you. I'm going to go out now, and I'm going to find somebody out there, someone like, like me, like I used to be, and I'm going to give them this, and then I'll be done with it. I don't have to die to be released from this thing. Not me. Anyway, honey, I love you, and I'll see you later. Pity the man who suddenly realizes he's in love. On his way to the rough part of town, Charlie passed an all-night market. Buying flowers for Claire could have waited, but when your whole life has turned around, you, you just don't see it that way. Uh, hey, lady, uh, you know what kind of flowers these are? They're Iris's young man. Hey, wait a minute. Hmm? What are you doing out so late? Whew. One man's late is another man's early. I like to be up by four. Would you grow up on a farm or something? How did you know? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Hey, buddy, how yes, much sir. are these irises here? Uh, they're 85 cents. Okay, well, wrap them up for me, would you? Yes, beautiful. Right. Yes, I love uh, yeah. All right, all right, hold it right there. Oh. Huh? Everybody stay nice and quiet and I won't have to hurt you. <gasps> you! Open the register. Yes, yes, sir. Yes, sir. Oh, oh my Lord. Shut up, lady, or I'll have Are to... Are you a what? Well, Come here on. was Charlie Foster's oh, chance. Come on. What did he oh, have to fear from the likes of this common criminal, from the likes of the man he used to be? Nothing, that's what, thanks to the coin. Now, moments before getting rid of it forever, he could finally do something good. Come on, this has gone far enough. Oh, is that so? Yeah. Oh, oh, oh. Oh, you call the police. Call the police. Oh, not so tough now, are you? I, I don't understand. I, I, yes, I, I was as surprised as you are to learn that Charlie was dying. Claire! Despite his last thoughts of Claire, it was too late for Charlie to turn over that new leaf. In the end, he died the way he had lived. By now, Claire was up and getting ready for work. She took an extra few minutes to leave Charlie a note. Dear Charlie, I couldn't stand to see you suffering so. Please don't be angry with me, but while you slept, I slipped the box from your hand. I saw the coin inside, and I threw it away, into the street. I replaced it with that ring you bought me, the one you got at the fair when we first went out. I want to start fresh, Charlie, just you and me. Whatever it was that had a hold of you, it's over now. I'll see you when you get home. I love you, Claire. All Charlie knew was that he had to give the coin away to someone. Nobody ever said anything about someone else simply taking it. No wonder his nightmare stopped that night. Well, he died in love, which is more than I can say for most married couples in this day and age. <laughs> And that, my friend, is the story of a coin, a curse, and a coward who found his courage just a little too late. And although all of this happened over 50 years ago, its message applies to you today. For every miracle, there is an equal and opposite kick in the head. I do so appreciate you visiting me and letting me recount another secret history of this very city. Please, come back. Tell your friends. I have many more stories for all of you. Oh, wait. Before you leave, there's something I should mention. The coin is, of course, still out there. In fact, you might check your pockets. Go ahead. No? You're not in possession of it? Well, someone out there is. 
I certainly hope they're listening. If not, who knows what may become of them. <laughs> Signing off in three, two, one.